Just gotta keep on trucking, yes sir! I'm gonna go outside and make myself a nice, big, shiny, first place medal, sit in the sun, and have a stupendous friggin' day! Gumdammit! Well, alright, you're messy. Would you make me a medal too? All right, everybody, welcome back. Uh, this is one of your hosts, Neo, and uh, joining me always is Solbro and Chris. Guys, say hello. Yes, you. your majesty. Oh, <laughs> so you just you just spoiled it for me. But, uh, You're welcome. <laughs> Chris, hello, how are you? I didn't hear your curmudgeon. Ugh, what's up? <sighs> <laughs> yes. Dennis, is that you? <laughs> I thought you were in Syria somewhere in Aleppo. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he's always on the story. He's, he's always somewhere. <laughs> oh man, this is uh, episode 189 of Gundam and MHQ, and yes, Solbro kind of spoiled it because we are going to do a uh, roundup and summary thoughts, musings, and uh, and as such of the, OV, the OVA of Code Geass, Aikido the Exiled, episodes one through six. And longtime Gundam fans would know that in episode... Uh, there is no episode six. Oh, I'm sorry. Episode five. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Sorry, sorry. Thank you. It, seemed like, it, seemed, like six episodes, it seemed like it's six episodes. You had episodes. me scared for a second. Holy shit. Yeah. <laughs> no, episodes one through five. That was me. Sorry, sorry. Th- thank you for the correction. Um, but um, longtime listeners would know that we did our review of episode one as Akito the Exiled was coming out in, epi- in Gundam episode episode 111, which I think was back in 2012. Mm-hmm. And then um, this was one of those OVAs where they were releasing them once every six to 12 months, depending on how they felt. And uh, we did a review on episode two. <laughs> in episode 139 of Gundam. So actually, it's been 50 episodes since the last time that we talked about Akito the Exile. We did not do anything for episodes 3 through 5 because it just got to a point that, um, why don't we just wait this out? So, <laughs> And then we forgot about it. Yeah. And then we forgot about it. And uh, as always, when we have something dealing with Code Geass, we're going to uh, bring in our, our, our subject matter expert, um, Armro NT, who knows everything all Gias all the time. Uh, tell me, Armro, was uh, is Lelouch dead or not? I don't know. Is he the guy in driving the cart? He's got to be, right? <laughs> so, uh, do not even Funny start you say that, that now. with me. <laughs> Just if we hadn't seen the promo for this new uh, thing true. they're doing, I wouldn't have said anything. But. This yeah. is not the time to bring it up Ooh. because they are actually teasing that that shit might be canon. Oh, <laughs> hey. way to go, internet! 
<laughs> no, I, I've seen people doing victory laps. You know, the conspiracy theorists who've been championing the the cart driver theory for literally ten years now. Hey, he did have a Lucius shit eating grin. So, uh, yeah, he I, didn't even have a grin last time I, around. Yeah, they yeah, redrew it. Sm- oh, really? They did because when I remember, go I, back. I never go back I, and watch the final you episode. Know, you you know cannot what, see anything about the cart driver. Oh then my if gosh. that's gonna happen, if this is, Lelouch is actually the guy driving the cart. Mm-hmm. Then it must mean that Suzaku did do it. Oh, he did a date. They're going to retcon that. It's- <laughs> I I have thoughts about this new thing, but I'll save it because that's not what we're talking about today. Yeah, we'll get to and that later. Eventually. And 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 I'm just saying, as as, as those, those things were being said, if I had a um, if I had a camera on Chris right now, I could just imagine the gas <laughs> this was going on. <laughs> or or the or that painful face that you have when. You're trying to force that turd through, and it just won't go through. <laughs> it won't it. break the plane. <laughs> so, <laughs> but uh, guys, anything as I saunter over to the Larry King Memorial News Studio? You are the king. You are the king. For some news, listeners submitted news. All right. So, uh, just like always, if you have any news you can always submit them to the Leo, neos listeners submitted news articles thread in the gundam section on the mecha talk forum and uh first one we got here is coming from of course vent noir and he's got a link to some gundam versus ps4 game english trailer previews and game modes and i'm sure Solbro, you've seen this probably at nauseum oh, yeah. um uh, have uh, how does this stuff look? Well, it's funny. Um, it looks great. Uh, matter of fact, they sh- actually played the English version of this game at uh, Evo, which just passed uh, in the middle of July. Um, they had a un- well, they had a side turn there. Everybody doesn't know Evo is basically the- what Super Bowl, Christmas, Easter. Uh, it's, Bonds, uh, it's every holiday every, in, in the Soul Bro household. In, in the Soul Bro household, it is the Super Bowl of fighting game tournaments. And uh, yes, uh, they they had a Gundam uh, versus tournament that was sponsored by Bandai. And uh, at that tournament, they actually showed the English uh, port of the game. And uh, what's funny is uh, towards the end of September, there's going to be an English uh, uh, beta test. So if anybody wants to get in on that, you're more than welcome oh, to no, get in no, on that. Oh, no, no, The end of September is when it's coming out. Oh, fix my face. When's the beta test coming out then? I'm not actually sure. I, but I, I, I know sh- it's, it's mm-hmm. going to be sometime in August, most likely. All right. Well, I'll, I'll be probably two weeks before or something yeah. like that. But the release date is the 29th. And also, I do have a little bit of news to add, if I may. Yeah, go for it. This was okay. just announced on the gaming website Push Square where apparently they got confirmation for Bandai Namco that the English release will have licensed music. There was a fear that it would be cut out because the last few Gundam games that have come out over here, like the Dynasty Warriors games, they've had to replace the official tracks with just generic music for, you know, legal reasons. That's been a hot debate, uh, especially on the mm -hmm. streams we've been doing. Yeah, I'm glad to hear it's going to have them. That's awesome. And one of the things is the PS4 doesn't have the same extensive custom soundtrack auction that the previous consoles have had. Yeah. But Bandai has said that the soundtrack will be the same on every version of the game, so whether you're in America, England, Australia, wherever, you're going to get all these classic tracks. What about but Mars? aren't those classic tracks only there if, in Japan if you got the, the premium sound uh, version? Some of the tracks are in the base version of the game. There were more in the premium sound version, but to my knowledge there's not a premium sound version for the Western market. So I don't know what they're going to do if they're just going to only do the vanilla release or only do the premium version and call it vanilla. 
it, that'd be nice. You know, I would like to have extra things without paying for them, which <laughs> is actually some additional news from the uh, Will. God, Mac you guys are just hitting me. <laughs> yes. I mean, this is. This, I mean, I'm just getting hit blindsided back and forth. I mean, yes. Just me. breaking um, news, breaking news. Uh, I'm, five, I'm, I'm, ready. I'm, a, I'm a professional. I've been doing this for a long time. Didn't you know, man? News as a contact sport. Put on your helmet already. <laughs> All right. We got uh, the announcement of a couple of DLC units, including uh, the Pale Rider, uh, Goosian Rebake. Uh, I don't remember what the other three are. Uh, the Perfect Strike Gundam from the Seed Remaster, the, perf- the G-Self Perfect Pack, and the Bound Dock, which is confirmed you can use either Jared Mesa or Rosamia Batam as a pilot. Ooh. But no, no love for Gates Kappa. Yeah, no one cares about Gates Kappa. Yeah, apparently not even Tamino because we never know what happened to Gates. So <laughs> just drifted off into the into oblivion. That's unfortunate. Right. <laughs> it sucks. All right. is, is, is that it for Gundam Versus and breaking news at this point? Uh, breaking news. Uh, <laughs> I'm done. As far as okay. I know. Thank you, Mr. Vent Noir, for your submission. Oh, the next one here comes from Arbiter Gundam, and he's got, um, it looks like, uh, Studio Artland, who's been responsible for such classics as Legend of the Galactic Heroes, Macross, Orgus, Megazone 23 is no more. So let me get to the uh, link here in the Anime News Network, and it looks like it ceased operations as of June 30th. And they hired a lawyer to handle the post affairs. It looks like they have a lot of debt. So it looks like just the, the crushing amount of debt um, uh, kind of put them under everything. So they were currently uh, working on the Seven Mortal Sins anime. It was slated to have 12 episodes. The show's 10th episode aired June 23rd. And a recap, <laughs> 10.5 episodes was on um, June 30th. So it looks like they have... Um, 11th point five. What is this, Code Geass? <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> so, Those episodes don't exist, remember? <laughs> man. Not on MAHQ, they don't. Not God, in the American this, release either. They get this, just for all the, the financial nuts out here. The company's annual income as of uh, November 2013 was about 260 million yen, or $2.29 million. By December 2016, Annual income was 184,000 US. Oof. Holy God. Oh, damn. So it looks like uh, outsourcing killed them. And um, that's, they were, their outsourcing comp- costs comprised of 90% of its production. So it looks like they were using debt to uh, offset those costs. So, yeah, man. Whew. Well, sucks to be an anime studio. <laughs> I guess they were gambling yeah. on a bona fide hit and I never got, man, because that's that sucks, man. Artline's been around for quite some time. Yeah, so, I, just, man, I just opened up their um, A&N page just looking at all the stuff they've even worked on a little bit. They've got quite a hit list, stuff like ranging from Barefoot Gen to Full Metal Alchemist. Oh, wow. Well, that's unfortunate, man. Damn. <laughs> but thank you, Mr. Arbiter Gundam, for your submission. Uh, M- Mula Flaga has some, some death news, some dead guy news. Oh. Looks like uh, Transformers G1 voice director and actor Wally Burr passed away at age 91. So, um, Solbro, I know you probably have got something you got to say about this, right? Man, uh, there's been a lot of voice actor deaths, actually. But yeah, Wally Burr is a big one. Uh, he's a legend in the business, man. I believe he had a... a an actual studio that who was the actors who was he in um in transformers in, in, uh i mean i off, off the top up. i mean i, I let me let me let me let me open up the um 
Uh, let me open up the article. So you <laughs> <laughs> instead of a sobro guess. Yeah, no, no. I mean, uh, if we anything, actual facts. I mean, Larry King demands it. He was Rao in Fist of the North Star, so I can definitely tell you that. Um, he was also which is not Transformers. Which is not Transformers, but in Transformers, he it was. Actually uh, say, it he, actually doesn't say anything he, what he did. He uh, more than like it, it looks like in Transformers, he played a bunch of insulary characters. Really, nobody uh, in particular that we know of. I mean, he did Jazz's voice in one episode, uh, Kremzik. He did Ratchet's voice in Masquerade. That's the, only, that's the only guy they list in the article. They said he provided the voice of Kremzik as well as several incidents. Kremzik? Man, that's really fucking no. digging down into the doldrums of Transformers. <laughs> what, what, I know, what I know Wally Burr most from is that he, he ran a recording studio. And a lot he was a voice actor's voice actor. And a lot of people in the industry really respected <laughs> voice him. Voice actor's voice actor? Yeah, he was. I mean, he was definitely he was a guy who that's worked funny. on a lot of shows. And he ran a tight ship oh, at his ooh. studio. And uh, a lot of... A lot of uh, he networked with a lot of uh, voice actors, and they were uh, good friends of his. So oh, you know, man, when he passed away, a lot of people had kind things to say about him. And it's uh, here's one. It's, here's it's one for you, Soul Bro. Um, Bucket of Wind. Mm-hmm. Um, he played the Adam in the Super Friends. Oh, did oh, really? Good shit. Our boy Ray Palmer. <laughs> All right, <laughs> that's what's up. Well, I mean, uh, mm-hmm. thank you for the submission, Moon of the Fog. It's, it's sorry we didn't have more, more of what he did, but you know, I, I, hey, would, I would like uh, to say one he's thing. He's the though. voice actor's voice actor. Yeah, he's so. the voice actor. Speaking of voice <laughs> actors, I also would like to give a nod to uh, June Foray. Um, mm. If you, that name does not ring a bell, uh, she passed away actually uh, the uh, the uh, the day that we're recording this, the twenty seventh of July. And uh, she, if you have don't know her name, you've definitely heard her voice. She was Granny in um, in all the Warner Brothers cartoons. Uh, she was Natasha and Natasha and, and um, Rocky and Bullwinkle. She's done a million voices. She was magic to spell. She's magic exactly. She's pretty much the female equivalent to Mel Blanc. And she lived mm-hmm. 99 long, beautiful years. And I just got to say, when I heard she passed away today, I was, uh, I was, I mean, granted, she lived a long life and God bless mm-hmm. her. But man, I have got to say that that, that definitely hit me pretty hard. And uh, uh, nothing but respect for June Foray, man. She's, or as I saw one person describe it, uh, Mel Blank was the male version of her. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so she outlived just, him. She outlived she, him, man. One uh, of my favorite characters she played was uh, Witch Hazel from some of the Looney Tunes cartoons. Because yes. I, I just love that little laugh she did all the time. <laughs> that was perfect. My mother can do, actually do a really good impersonation of it because yeah. she liked it too. She she's phenomenal, man, and uh, uh, my heart goes out. I mean, she was doing voices all the way up until her death. So, um, including Granny. So uh, m- much she love actually, to June for. She actually came back and voiced Magica for the high def remaster of the Ducktales game. And she came back and did Granny in the Looney Tunes cartoon that was on. Uh, mm-hmm. um, Cartoon Network not too long ago, so yeah, she's uh she was definitely um a legend, man. All right, back well, to you, Neil. Uh, I'm sorry, we've been hijacking yeah. your news all fucking day. I'm so sorry, bro. Let me let yeah, me, let me like sit my ass just, down. All right, let me calm down. This, I'm sorry, the nostalgia train just keeps <laughs> jerking me around. <laughs> Slows down a little bit. Next thing you know, <laughs> we're taking another fucking stop unscheduled. <laughs> Oh, man. Um, thank you, Mr. Mulafog. And he comes back with some news about Transformers Titan Wars. I guess the cast has been re- revealed, and this is uh, coming courtesy of uh, Variety.com, wow, an actual entertainment website for once. Um, <laughs> not some blog spot from somebody's basement. But, um, <laughs> yeah, it looks like uh, quite a few people are, are uh, going on there. 
So uh, check that out. Check out his link mm-hmm. for that. I'm not going to go over it. Ooh, yeah. say Transformers? There's something significant about that story. Um, they brought back Peter Cullen as Optimus Prime, right. and Judd Nelson is reprising his role as Herodimus Prime after so many years. He hasn't played it's that role since Transformers the movie. Jason Dorn and mm-hmm. J- J- Jason David Frank. Yeah, so. Got Worf in there, man. Good shit. I'm sorry. I'm done. I like Transformers. It's going to be the... Michael Doran going to be the revised Starscream. It's a good day to to betray Megatron today. <laughs> all I know is Cade Yeager will be there. That's all I know. <laughs> Prime, I must protest. I am not a merry man. <laughs> I'm sorry, Mark. <laughs> I actually still haven't seen that movie yet. Oh, I neither have I. I'm waiting, I'm waiting for the whole video release. Then. <laughs> Even... I love the survey, but even me, I'm I'm to a point with the Transformers where I'm a little, I have a little bit of fatigue. I think. Yeah. For those who are listening, who've been dying to wait for our review for that movie, it may happen, but it ain't happen until we see that shit hit home video. So uh, stay tuned. We'll see what we'll see what happens. It's 1997. <laughs> oh my god! I'm sorry. Home video in the broad Only sense. Available in both beta, beta and VHS. So, Yo, bro, get ready to rewind, bro. Well, uh, thank you, Mr. And be kind. Mr. Malou Laflaga, for your submissions. Next one comes from Event Noir, and uh, he's got a link to the new Pacific Rim 2 Electric Boogaloo trailer. So uh, you can go to his link and check that out. Um, Event Noir comes back. Oh, Soul Bro, I know you've been doing the dance. Oh. It's uh, that uh, Voltron Legendary Defender Season 3 premieres August of uh this year yeah and then i guess season four is gonna be october of next year august 4th man it's a lot sooner than i thought it was gonna be i knew it was gonna be in august i just didn't realize the date until they uh they premiered that trailer at comic-con no it's october of this year oh season of oh season four october but i'm talking about season three premieres on august 4th so it's like we're just less said that season four is next year it's oh oh my my bad i told you oh fourth season will premiere in october oh wow that's pretty well, oh, seven episodes, so they're not even. Oh. What was it? It was ten episodes, right? Yeah, the last one I believe was ten. Yeah. Okay, so they're doing that thing. Okay. Oh, I was wrong. The so you get two in. seasons in one year. Yeah. Uh, in, in a span of two two and a half months there. So, thank you. Venoir comes back again, and he's got um a link to some of the Pacific Rim Uprising's new beautiful giant robots, and this is a link to Gizmodo. So. Uh, yeah, stuff does look pretty good. These these mechs do look pretty damn cool. Yeah, uh, I, I dropped a link in the chat where you get a better view of all the uh, all the suits too from uh, Pacific Rim. It's uh, you actually get to see the the female one. Um, let's see what it is. Uh, the female Aphrodite one looks like a ninja. Aphrodite, uh, Aphrodite, Saber Athena, but <laughs> uh, maybe a nod to Aphrodite. You never know. But it looks like it's a light a light suit. I doubt with it's going to have blue missiles. Oh my! I would I would fucking flip out if it did. These suits look amazing though. These blueprints that they have on this one particular page look really dope, man. Damn! I can't wait for this movie. Shit. Well, I hope they I hope they can beat the kaiju's again. So <laughs> we'll, we'll we'll have to find out. But uh, thank you, Mr. Red Noir, for your submission. Oh, the next one, and this is going to be our last one of the day. Oh. It comes from Mula Flaga, and this is going to be, I can just hear the collective groan from, from Chris. <laughs> and just the thing with, uh, <laughs> and I don't know from Soulbro what I'm going to hear, but it's basically, uh, this is coming from PC Games. Uh, 
N.com, and it's Battle Battletech Threatened by Robotech Lawsuit. So it looks what? like the Harmony Gold uh, is, um, they have a copyright to Robotech, like everybody knows, and it looks like they're suing the developers of the forthcoming Battletech video game for copyright infringement. <laughs> and, and they'll never let anyone forget that they have those rights and, and do nothing no. of any no, use No, no, it's, it's better. I've been doing my research on this. You do realize, technically, they don't have the rights because Tatsunoko never had the rights to give them in the first place. Like, a Japanese court came back and ruled that Tatsunoko did not have the rights to, the rights to Macross to go selling around. Which has no standing in America, though. America, well, yeah. well, that's the thing. Harmony Gold essentially says, we don't care what Japan says, we have the license, so there. Yeah. And until Suda Inoue and Big West feel like, you know, throwing their weight around, this is going to keep happening. Pretty much. Because yeah. they would have to have a court case and then also file a, a case trademarks of... Macross, and that's a lot of money sent for questionable financial gain because, let's face it, the audience for Macross is not going to outweigh those legal costs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just not going to. So, but uh, yeah, so they're, um, they're suing uh, Piranha Games, the current Battletech rights holders, and uh, uh, Harebrain Schemes, the developers of the game, and Jordan Weiss, one of the developers. Now, it is kind of interesting. There are pictures here and yeah, there are some similarities. Mm, yeah. yeah, but I mean, they have been for years, though. We're talking decades. Battletech's been around since I was a kid. And now they're fucking making a, a, a lot. Maybe they've sued them in the past. I mean, and, and They uh, have. They oh, have? You, you, did, you haven't heard the whole story behind Battletech and the, was it the Missing Eleven? Oh, no. No, no. Oh, oh there's a whole saga to be read about that on the internet. Oh, which shit. I'll have to look that up. It's neither here nor there. But yeah. yes, uh, you yeah. should read into this because it's, mm-hmm. it's a clusterfuck. And <laughs> I'm holding up. Both my fingers, middle fingers, to Harmony Gold, of and <laughs> I also wait with bated breath for um, their next Kickstarter of Carl Masek's true dream that he scribbled on uh, a napkin in a, which is Robotech Restaurant. Oh yeah. yeah, where would you put the Robotech Restaurant? Where would that go? Vegas, maybe? Uh, nowhere at this point, because that shit is never going anywhere. <laughs> Sorry, Carl. It's the story of, you know, the proto- protoculture cuisine, because now protoculture is food, too. Oh, no. Oh, okay. Fuck. Yeah. That makes sense. <laughs> it's you so know, many things. It, it could be civilization. Fuel. It could be gas. Yep. It could be technology. It could be uh, acid-tripping drugs that make you see dinosaurs. <laughs> Why not be food, too? <laughs> it's so versatile. So. You have centralic guests coming in. And and they order bad food and then they start fights and it'll be great. It'll be like that episode in in, uh, in Macross and Robotech where there's a big old fight in uh, Minmay's family's restaurant. You know but that's the whole show at the Little White Dragon, the shop island. Let's go. <laughs> oh, it'll be a dinner theater. You'll be able to relive that episode. It's very Messiah. Exactly. No, and and they have a special deal where you know if you tell them you want to propose to your girlfriend, they'll help you do it by setting you two up to have a knife fight. <laughs> yeah. Good luck. <laughs> Complete with uh, little little uh, big uh, stars that come out when your knives clash. That's funny. 
All right. Well, thank you, Mr. Mula Flaga, for your submission. Thank you, everybody, for all your submissions. To uh, And if you ever have any other news, just always send it to the uh, Neos Listener Submitted News Articles thread in the Gundam section of the Mecha Talk forum. And uh, with that, anything, guys, before we get into our main topic tonight of Akito the Exiled, episodes one through five? Well, all I got to say is if you go to the Robotech restaurant, don't order the pineapple salad. <laughs> oh, no. Well, well, you don't want that. But you want the pineapple cake, though. Yeah, of course. <laughs> You'll that's, survive that's the night. Armor. <laughs> Salad's killer, guys. It sure yeah. is. Chris, why don't you give us a little synopsis of old Akito the Exile? So it's a five episode OVA series, and it's set during the year between the original Code Geass series and R2. Set over it where we have United, and they've been fighting the Britannians. And to uh, make sure the public opinion doesn't turn against them, instead of using their own people to fight, they use Elevens, who are the displaced Japanese people of Area 11, which is what Japan is under the Britannian Empire. They use Elevens as cannon fodder, and uh, literally in the first episode, we see them um, being used as unwilling suicide bombers in robots. Uh. while fighting the Britannian forces. Oh, man. So the uh, Europeans, they're fighting Euro-Britannia, which I wanted to ask you about this, Amaro. Um, Mm -hmm. In the alternate history of Code Geass, we know that the American Revolution failed and that eventually uh, the Britannians were kicked out of Europe and had to resettle in the American colonies and and make that the, the new base of the Britannian Empire. Yep. So... Who exactly are these Euro-Britannians who are never mentioned in the show? Is there any basis for them existing anywhere before Um, this OVA? Well, I'll confess, my memory is slightly fuzzy. I might have to pop open some of my old reference documents, but there were the um, DVD-exclusive history lesson books they had for the first season. They do explain a bit about the alternate history, and there were a few details which related, I believe, to... Napoleon being far more successful than he was in our world. And they, you know, they make references to other little bits that we're familiar with. Like thanks to this series, we know that there was still a Joan of Arc. Mm -hmm. Let me see. Yeah. I was a little confused on that too. Because I, I, I went back over this and I'm like, there's clearly a distinction here because they're aligned, but, but not quite the same, it seems. But yeah. then what's the point of them existing and what exactly is the difference between them and the other Britannia? Well, Britannia, it's I from what I can understand, I'll probably need to do more digging, but Euro-Britannia is a specific faction of, I'm not quite sure if it is, if it's already Britannia or if it's people who want Britannia to take control of Europe, but it is something along those lines. It sort of seems more like the latter. Like, they yeah. have some territory in Europe, mm-hmm. and that they are wanting Britannia to come back and, and conquer Europe. Yeah, they're they're kind of, yeah, they're, they're remnants or refugees or something like that, yeah. From the old from the old Britannia. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was unclear, so I'm glad I wasn't the only one that was sitting there going, 
Euro Britannia. Um... So anyway, uh, back to our story. Uh, the main character is an 11 named Akito Hyuga, who is part of an experimental unit that uses these nightmare frames called Alexanders that can switch between um, humanoid mode and uh, the ultra creepy crawling <laughs> insect mode. Yeah. Uh. And all of his squad mates are killed when uh, the soon-to-be former commander of the unit has them detonate suicide bombs to fight the Britannians, but he survives and catches the uh, interest of the new commander, a uh, young tactician named uh, Layla Malkal, who who we learn later is part part of Iranian nobility that defected to Europia and her parents were assassinated when she was young and she got taken in by a family from Europia and uh, her is also to be her fiance, which is weird and gross and creepy, (laughs) but is quickly tossed aside. So the basis of our story here is that um, Akito's older brother Shin is a uh, high ranking person in your Britannia and he has Gius which he uses to kill his friend uh, Manfredi or rather to have Manfredi kill himself and take control of his order of knights and he's manipulating his way up to the top of your Britannia for the sake of his plan which gets interrupted by the arrival of an advisor from the homeland named Julius Kingsley and his escort uh, knight, Suzaku. Guy Julius Kingsley is totally not Lulush Lamperouge in any way, shape, or form, except for the fact that he looks like him, uh, sounds like him, and is, in fact, actually him. (laughs) Except that he's been... He is with a new personality and wears an eye patch over his uh, his left Gius eye. So not Lelouch orchestrates a campaign of misinformation against their government. And at the same time, um, the commander of the European army, General Smilus, initiates a coup d'etat where he uses Layla to rally the people and then announces that she was killed when in fact she wasn't and he's just taking over the government. Mm. And there's a lot of uh, fighting with CG nightmares and we have some Japanese punks get recruited into the unit to fight with Akito and they immediately try to kill Akito and... Uh, Layla, but then when they all come under attack, they suddenly become buddies, especially when they hang out with some horny old Roma women. Yo, those skills? <laughs> Horrible. And then they have to defend their castle from uh, Shin's plan, basically, is to capture their ultra long range transport that launches nightmares into the Base to quickly travel around the Earth and zone because his plan is to uh, destroy Pendragon, which is the capital of the Britannian Empire in America, and use the chain of events there to destroy the world because, of course. Yeah. And, uh, spoiler, he gets stopped, and then Akito and Layla and everybody decide to go chill with the, uh, the Roma women again. Yeah. The end. So, I'll turn to our guest first. 
first, uh, Amaro, what, what, uh, what, what did you think about the uh, uh, the rest of the show? Since we've already covered episodes one and two, but if you want to go... Uh, oh boy. Well, this is actually something I remarked with Sobro and Neo before we started. I, I, I was sitting here watching the episodes, and I had no tab open, and I was taking my notes. And... Let's see, some of the, the phrases that I used most commonly when I was taking my notes for this review were, let me see, that was, no, stop, why, writers, please, <laughs> I, I still don't care, but for fuck's sake, and finally, this is good macaroni. Because, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm going to be totally honest, like, 20 minutes away from the fin- from the end of the thing, I just sort of checked out, and I was... More more busy eating my dinner. Mm-hmm. But I mean, well, I mean, do you, would you like me to cover my feelings for it as a whole, or do you want to break it down? No, you just as a whole overall. Just you could say pretty much what comes to mind for the most part. This series was just a mess. That's that's what it comes down to, to in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not sure if it's because of the giant gaps between episodes, but the whole thing feels extremely disjointed and uneven. Yeah. From what I, you know, if you went back and listened to the reviews of the first two episodes, I'm sure I, and I believe these other, these gentlemen as well, we were all kind of put off by how dark the original story was, where there was practically no one to root for. Everyone in the show, except for maybe Layla, was an asshole. Yeah. And, you know, I, I know there are people out there who enjoy darker shows and who are fine with things that have, you know, who, people who are fine with stories where it's, you know, evil versus evil. Right. But, you know, that's not me. But And I understand that we weren't the only ones who felt that way. But the problem is with these three episodes, they overcorrected because, you know, at the, was it the end of episode one where they go on the mission and the three Japanese people immediately turn on Akito and Layla? I believe so, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And it then, was. At the start of episode three, they're friends. <laughs> I meant I was going to ask one of you guys if you went back and watched episode two. Was there any indication of that? No, they're at each other's mm, heels. No. They're at each other's fucking throats. If from what I remember in episode two, that's that's what bugged me. It's at the start of the episode. All of a sudden, you know, they're getting along like to quote Forrest Gump, peas and carrots. Yeah. <laughs> It's going through the bazaar, talking about having lunch together, wanting to go sh- clothes shopping, yeah. and then having to having to fucking bum bum it out with gypsies. You know, it's like let's talk about gypsies. Just, <laughs> just what in the hell, man? I was like, for real? I, I, I don't mind the old Romany ladies. Mm-hmm. They they were kind of abusing, but it's just the character spent several days camped with these old gypsy women because they tried to hustle them. Oh, and uh, the asshole from the from the first episode got his revenge on Layla by deleting all of their um, military IDs, mm-hmm. which is why they couldn't just go back home. Yeah, that was actually kind of funny. <laughs> and, <laughs> I didn't think that was funny. It was yeah. dumb, but it was funny. Now, if any of y'all remember when we had the previous, when we did the first episode, I predicted that Layla had a guess based off of the animation and the way they foreshadowed it with the... Um, the jerk lieutenant going nuts all of a sudden when it made no sense. And episode three totally confirms it because we get a flashback to when we learn that she lost her parents just immediately afterwards, <laughs> she, she ran into C2 in the woods 
wearing a white robe who offered her a gift just out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And she essentially she offered her the contract using the exact same lines from the original show. But then she said, but you're still a kid, so I'll give you some time to think about this. Come back to me if you're when you're an adult if you want to complete this contract. But until then, it'll be there. So essentially, Layla's got kind of a half GS or an incomplete GS. And from what we can see, it's essentially the same type of thing as Lelouch's, where it lets her can order people around. Yeah. And yet, I still don't feel like saying, I called it. <laughs> and I just want to know, this, this, because, of the, because of the limited animation, mm-hmm. the scene of C2 and her little followers walking through the woods in their robes, yeah. it, it, it looked like Madeline, where you have the little girls following the nun. Mm-hmm. It, it just made me laugh. So ridiculous. And it, it was, look, the way they slid away was what killed mm-hmm. me, man. <laughs> it was so bad. <laughs> oh, the budget. Uh, mm-hmm. God, let me see what else. Just, the, just one of the big things that bugged me is the fact that basically every Gias in this series is Lelouch's. Everyone gets the same power. It kind of destroys the original concept where it's based off of your personality and your life experiences. Yeah, like a mutant power. And the, and the other problem that I the, and not to you know to interject on your oh, thing, but the other thing that, you, that bothers me too is like it seems like everybody's got it now. Like mm-hmm. if you're anybody that anybody, it, it, you know, it was, I thought they were a little bit more selective of how they did it. Like you said, even though it's supposed to base on your I guess your personality type or whatever, but that's the other thing with all this. It's like, well, everybody's got it. And now you can have a, now you can have like a half developed one. That was weird. I mean, if you go back to the show, you can, well, the ones we had in the show, the big ones were Lelouch could order people. Mal could read minds. The emperor could rewrite memories. And when she was mortal, C2 could make people love her. Mm -hmm. And you can see that those are outgrowths of their personalities and their childhoods and what they had to deal with. But here, everyone gets mind control. Yeah, it's it's kind of like they're making substitute Lelouches because they don't think the franchise can live without him. And then they throw in real Lelouch just for the hell of it. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, in my notes, I actually said at one point that it feels like they're handing Giuses out like Halloween candy. And here's yeah, the, here's the thing I don't get. So um, in the flashbacks, we see that uh, young Shin killed his family. Uh, but that uh, Akito survived because his mom didn't really poison him. Yeah. And that um, Shin ordered him to die. But then he didn't die. And then every time he comes under the influence of that Gias, he fights to live in the same way that Suzaku does with the Gias that Lelouch put him under of to live. Which makes no sense at all. Yeah, it has the mm. abject fucking uh, effect. I, I, I because every time thought... Lelouch tells somebody to die, they immediately kill themselves. Yeah. Yes, your majesty. <laughs> I mean, we, we, actually, <laughs> we actually saw it looked like a delayed effect because in one of the episodes, um, you know, before he leaves, he, the Huga, what, what was it? The, is it? Was it the Huga family? Yeah. Yeah, the Huga yeah, family. Before he leaves the Huga family, Shin orders the mother and the daughter to stab each other oh, yeah. to death. Absolutely. And I, I was like, why did you do that? What did they ever do to deserve this? They we'll crossed his path. Well, I mean, I, no, no, we will get to that. Yeah, his mind state, <laughs> basically. He, he he looks his death as a gift, but yeah, yeah we'll, get to get, we'll get to that nonsense. But I was actually under the impression for a while that what Shin did was he essentially hit 
Akito with the Gius where he ordered him to obey him, like Luce did in the, end, in the end of the series. So instead of just one order, he could just say, you know, do five jumping jacks for me, and he would do it. But I guess that wasn't what happened, because instead it's like, you know, it just didn't take. I guess, you know, it was a flesh wound from the Gius. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know you could get this. Apparently you can. And yet it's not the dumbest thing that happens in this series. <laughs> Well, please enlighten yeah. us. Yeah. Oh well, I was saving that for later. <laughs> uh, well, shoot! I guess one of us could. Uh... Well, here's a, oh, here's a good one. Mm-hmm. Like Chris said in his summary, Julius Kingsley is Lelouch. They 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 did it. it. It's not just some random guy who looks just like him and sounds just like him. It's him. It's the Emperor brainwashing him into service. Oh yeah, absolutely. And, and don't forget, Suzaku did it. What? Yeah, and Suzaku's okay with yeah, it. Here's my big problem. Now, here's what I don't understand though. Yeah, go so for it. how? From the TV show, we know you can only use Gius on a person one time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So how did the Emperor uh, Gius Lelouch into being Julius Kingsley? And then how did he Gius him again into thinking that not only never existed and that Rolo was his brother? <laughs> That's a good, that is a good question. Actually, you know what's even funnier? This, that whole thing runs headlong into one of the other spinoffs, Oz the Reflection. Oh, wow. Because in the manga version, you learn that Rolo is not the first fake sibling Lelouch has had. Oh my god. <laughs> there, oh, really? there's a char- there was a character in Oz the Reflection named Clara Lanfranc, oh. who was another assassin from the Gios Order, who was sent to be Lelouch's pretend sister during the gap between the show. Right. And she gets killed off by one of the protagonists. And she gets replaced with Rolo, so the Emperor had to go back and rewrite everyone at Ashford so that they remembered Rolo. Oh my god! And presumably he had to do that for Clara. Hey, get the f- <laughs> <laughs> but how can he do that? Because that would mean having I don't to use know. his power on the same people more than once. Wait, was it, was it Unless he... somehow he can magically use his Gius more than once on people for reasons. Yeah, well, Lelouch was able to do that, wasn't he? Once he gained the Gius in his other eye, uh, right? No, not no. actually. No, so he couldn't. The closest I... we ever got was mm-hmm. thanks to Jeremiah's Gius canceller, where. Um, when Shirley was dying, he basically tried to Gius her into not dying. Yeah, yeah he tried to re-Gius her because yeah. she'd been canceled so she could be gius again. Oh, yeah. that's so, true. The- theoretically, the canceller could let you re gius someone, but it didn't exist at that point in time. So honestly, now, how do you get the how do you get the canceller? Well, it wasn't developed yet. Uh, it's it's so convenient. And the other thing is, is if I'm the emperor of the country, why would I go through all that trouble? For my dumb son, why wouldn't I just put him in a prison or something like that? I still well, don't that, even. That, that gets to the issue of of R two setup and why it is the way it is, which is yeah. neither here nor there. Yeah. True. Yeah. Sorry, I didn't want to. Yeah. No. I didn't want to out that rabbit hole. I, I do want to yeah. say we've already been is... down that rabbit hole back in, in <laughs> yeah. two thousand eight. Episode by episode. <laughs> I, I did. I did just want to share with you. This is the exact note I wrote when they revealed that Kingsley was the Lelouch. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Fuck you, fuck you, fuck you. Kingsley is the loose after all. Fuck you, fuck the writers, fuck the staff, dishonor on you, dishonor on your cow, etc. <laughs> and what is with the uh, the mental breakdowns where he keeps asking Suzaku for water? Yeah, what is that about? He sounds like he mentally I, regressed, right? 
I'm not entirely sure. I, I had I got Throughout, the impression that he uh, he regressed to back to when they were kids at the very yeah, moment. At, at, friends in Japan. Yeah, when they were friends in Japan, and at the very moment that uh, the attack on uh, Area Eleven <laughs> happened, like you know, yeah, if you guys remember the beginning of the series, they were hanging out by right. um by by sunflowers and uh the, just the imagery that came from that scene. It's like he kept living that in the loop, and maybe he was thirsty at the time. I don't know, but um, that, I I don't know. It just seems like. At points, he was trying to fight off the brainwashing. Yeah, because he remembers stuff from his life, but it's all over the place, and it just made me question why he's even in this series. Other than they don't think they can do Code Geass without Lelouch. Well, that's what it was. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. And then he spends the last two episodes locked in a jail cell. Him and Suzaku because he can't die. Yep. <laughs> yeah, because yep. then you'd have a time is, paradox. That is one of the huge problems with writing a midquel is you have to be very careful with you know you re- if you have introduced characters from the main story you know either they're going to live or they're going to die. Yeah. Oh, and just one minor thing that got me in the middle of his breakdown, Shin realizes that Lush is the lost prince. No one else in the universe does. What the hell? Yeah. Why? Yeah, that was another one that kind of got me. Yeah. But- and I, I did kind of wonder if they were doing some foreshadowing because the main plot, Kingsley's big plot for Euro Britannia to seize control, was essentially to have this flying fortress called Ark flying overhead <laughs> and bombing people who got in the way. And my thought was, is that foreshadowing the Damocles from season two? Yeah, it, sure it looked like a like low like rent diamond. The, uh, fake uh, Flea bomb. Yeah, I was wondering. Yeah. I think they were just blowing up Sakuradite because, as they showed in the series, when that stuff goes up, it goes up. It sure does. Yes, but I mean that's that's essentially my thoughts on just episode three. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm sure, I'm sure the other parts will come up throughout our discussion, but uh, I've got a few thoughts myself. If that's all right, I mean, I I didn't want no. to dominate. Go right ahead. Oh, it's not all right. No, okay, well, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I mean, overall, man, I, I I thought this was it was uh it was a it was a it was a watch, I guess. I mean, when I watched this, when I got caught up on episodes three through five, because I didn't really, I ran back in 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 synopsis what happened in episodes one and two. Um, I didn't really go back and watch the first two episodes, which I should have done to be honest with you. And uh, as uh, as I'm watching these, I, I don't remember, I didn't remember these characters being as tight as they were. The um the 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 Japanese uh. Uh, uh, pilots along with Akito yeah. uh, being as cool. I thought they were really antagonistic to each, each other. And they had their moments in episode 3. But they're really buddy-buddy in episode 3 for the most part. Talking about uh, hanging out in the bazaar. Talking about buying clothes and having lunch together. And then uh, having to band together when they're, when they're chilling with the gypsies. And, and all, all the all the camaraderie they went through with that. And as, as silly as I thought that all was, the series does eventually come back to that, which I, I, I guess helps to sew things up and um, place them in an area where they would be off the main, the main plot for the most part when uh, R2 begins. But um, yeah, I, when I watched this, it was like the, I felt the length of these episodes felt that fucking length every fucking minute because I just, I wasn't invested in the characters. It didn't feel like there were stakes. After the first episode where all the all the fucking Cannon Father characters were killed off, none of the characters were introduced to die in the series. At fucking all. Mm-hmm. They get close to death, but they don't fucking die. And Code Geass, I'll say, you can say a lot about the show, but you didn't know who was going to go and who was going to fucking live. You felt dread because <coughs> shit would happen and people would get killed off. 
and the ramifications from those deaths would play a role later on in the series and that's one of the the one of the one of the best things about the show is uh it it you felt like anyone could go at any second except for maybe Lelouch and even then the series fucking um well, makes him right and, Sasaki, yeah. and him and Sasaki for the most part the only two characters I thought would make it to the end everybody else was up for grabs so <laughs> I thought the series would be the same way um it it would bounce from wacky to serious and not be as uh, smooth as the original TV show was which that that whole tone fucked me oh. up watching this but go ahead yeah uh that, that that is the one of the huge things that got me about this was like we said in the first couple of episodes it was bleak it was dark people died left and right and basically everyone but Layla was an asshole and then in the last three episodes all of a sudden it's you know hope and trust and people oh, can change and puppies and unicorns and rainbow farts oh, all that shit <laughs> it was it overcorrected too you know just too yeah. much it was. It was bleak and cynical, and then it went to optimistic and hopeful so abruptly that it could give you whiplash. Yeah, I mean, we did get the moment where the the whole control room staff gets killed off, and I don't know if that was just an illusion or if it was. Uh, it, so it was yeah. an illusion. It wasn't that uh, Layla had the ability to rewrite time or anything like <sighs> oh, that. Because that that that's also <laughs> muddy as fuck. <laughs> When yeah. They, when when she got, were, I, I thought her Gius was. No, oh, I can what, I can kind of try to explain that. Yeah, I thought her Gius was a was a safe state or something. But uh, what what what's your explanation? Well, there are two things in this series that just really got under my skin. Yeah. One of them was just the abrupt decision to have this kind of cheerful. There's no such thing as an actual villain mm-hmm. ending. Where just you know we were introduced to Shin. He murdered his family, he tried to murder his little brother, and he wants to destroy the world and just plunge the planet into chaotic warfare. Mm-hmm. And I was sitting there going, I'm not buying it. I know what you're going to do. You're going to have him pull a last-minute deathbed confession just like fucking Itachi Uchiha from Naruto. Oh, yeah. You're going to try to make me feel sorry for him as he's bleeding out and dying. Of course. And I'm not going to do it. And you know what? You didn't. That was exactly what they did. <laughs> they try to make you feel sorry for this guy after he's done such horrible things and just tossed bodies left and right like they were tissue paper Mm -hmm. i mean how could you i mean he's nice he's a sociopath you can't really fucking feel sympathy for this guy at all he just the just the justification they came up with in the end essentially amounted to all those people he killed like the sweet little sister he actually loved them and he was protecting them because the world is such a horrible place i mean i get he was fucked up because of his upbringing but he lived a charmed life and the fact that his mother had an affair and he had such a low opinion of her it's like well that's your problem bro (laughs) that's your problem the second thing that just bugged the hell out of me mm-hmm. was the last part where we essentially got the worst of Universal Century Gundam's new type bullshit magic. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it was where it, it felt you like- were literally having force ghosts hugging people, and yeah. then in the middle of the final battle. Akito and Shen's nightmares disappear into thin air. On top of that, they have like a a, a snack sized third impact. <laughs> Yeah, that as, was it. As like, they were the getting middle... raided, like in the end of Evangelion, I felt shades of that shit when, uh, when Britan- sorry, when the Euro Britannia soldiers were raiding the fucking castle, and like, uh, and when they is, raided, women killed happened. everybody. It's like, yo, what is this end of Ava? Shit. <laughs> <laughs> and how did um, Ashley gain magical teleportation skills? That's what I'm saying. That is, that's what I'm working on here. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing is. One of the big deals with the Alexanders was there was this equipment in it that would let you sort of mind link with the other Alexanders. Mm -hmm. So I guess you could share tactics faster. 
except because Akito was under the effects of Aegeus that just tended to drive everyone into berserker frenzies. Mm-hmm. And then somehow it caused all the weird phenomena we saw in the last episode, like Akito and Shin going to their memory space so they could work out their problems and hug it out, yada, yada. And the sequence where everyone gets killed, but then Layla gets a second chance. That was an effect of the whole weird mind warping thing. And felt like some low rent double O wannabe stuff. Yeah. yeah. Basically, yes. It was like the worst new type bullshit along with Quantum Burst. I mean, I don't want to come off as completely negative on this. I enjoyed the fight scenes. I thought they were expertly crafted Mm -hmm. and and directed, but, you know, I didn't feel the weight of the battles at all because, you know, people didn't fucking die or, you know, for the most part, I I knew that everyone was going to make it out, you know, intact. I just got that feeling after episode four. It's like, yeah, this is going to end without any kind of bloodshed, is there? <laughs> Maybe some yeah. some characters I don't know are going to get murked, but I'm not connected to those. I'm connected to this team. But even then, but even then, yeah, nobody. It it, it even seemed after all those bombs were getting dropped on the Euro Britannian soldiers mm-hmm. that somehow they kind of survived and like, okay, yeah, they're hurt, but they'll they'll make it to the um, you know, they'll make it to the infirmary or something like that. <laughs> Hospital planet. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I mean, the Alexanders were cool. I liked some of the music. But yeah, when it came down to it, this setting was ripe with potential, man. The European United, uh, the, the the front that we really didn't get, didn't really get to see all that much of in Code Geass in general, should have had a lot of political intrigue. There should have been, you know, characters we we would have been latched onto and how this all fits into the big puzzle that is Code Geass. And it really delivered for me, man. I mean, I liked some of the characters, I guess. But 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 barely, if anything. Akito I never was connected to. Uh, Layla was all right, but she seemed to be the, the typical lead. Um, yeah. Girl destined for greatness. Um, the character I fucking probably liked the most was was probably Rio. <laughs> I'll be honest with you. Who? Uh, uh, Rio was... Uh, Rio was oh, Rio. The, yeah, Rio, yeah. Rio, let me, let me, oh, I know who you mean. Yeah, yeah. took me a second. Yeah, like, but, the, only char- the only characters I actually liked out of this series were I liked Layla, mm-hmm. and I liked um, Klaus, who was... The guy who turned on them but then reconsidered. True. By the way, did you actually realize, did you notice it? Like, Slowbro, Neo, you guys ought to recognize because you've been rewatching Gundam Wing. Does Layla remind you of anyone? Fucking, uh, Anyone with braided hair and a royal lineage? Of Relina? Is that the same voice actress? No, no, not the voice actress. The voice actress is actually, uh, Maya Sakamoto. Oh, Maya Sakamoto, yeah. That's right. That is what Layla's character is. She's the Code Geass version of Relina Peacecraft. Oh, shoot me, dude. Yeah, she pretty much is. (laughs) That's what I was... I pretty much I pretty much felt that too. Yeah. But, I mean she you know I'm a there wasn't on, anything the there yeah, wasn't anything Yeah, there wasn't anything different about her as a character. Like mm-hmm. she was just a cut and paste uh that type of character. And yeah, I mean I I Oh, go ahead, Chris. No, I was gonna say like just tech, she is just this generic, optimistic, yeah. naive big boobed anime girl <laughs> yeah but like yeah. Ma- that was the main falls in I- love with the main yeah. character for no earthly reason, reason. exactly the, the only reason i really liked her is because she was one of the only characters in the show who was not an asshole at any point yeah that's true yeah but sh- but you know what that still doesn't make it it doesn't make it like she's a memorable character okay oh, true. so sh- she's not a dick she's not an asshole but there was just nothing that made her special. And and the, the problem with that is as you know, they're making it well, she comes from this lineage and all that, but other than that, there was nothing that she did, nothing whatever, no decisions, no way that she led those teams that 
made her any special than anybody else outside of her just having gen- the one winning the genetic lottery, you know, the gene lottery. So um, I watched it from the beginning again because I had, you know, it was so long ago, like we said earlier in the beginning of the show, the first two episodes, we reviewed them so long ago. I had to really watch it from the beginning because I couldn't, um, I didn't even really remember what happened. And I know that um, Armuro and um, Solbro watched it, just watched episodes three through five. It's not as bad if you watch them in succession. Yes, it's still a little disjointed. It's some things, there is just that major shift from episode two to episode three, but it's not such a herky jerky thing. And I think a lot of it's probably just the time delay, um, you know, between, between viewings. But in the end, it didn't really do much. Yes. Um, adding the fifth episode helped because if it was still just four episodes, it would have been tough to watch because they wasted so much time, especially in episode two. And, and they, they, they waste a lot of time in three and pretty much all, all of them. I mean, especially when they are with the gypsy people that went on a little too long. Um, I mean, I, I get what it was about and it was, you know, it was a break from all the stuff, but it just went on too long. But, um, I, I do agree on the aspect of where we heard so much about the European front and code Geass about this being such a, a thing that's really just beating down uh, Britannia and they're having so many problems and, and all this other stuff. You just don't see what it, you know, it's like you don't really feel that in this. And, and yes, okay, I get Euro Britannia, but you don't even really see that much of actual Britannia in it. You think you would think you would have more of them in it. And, um, it just, um, it, it just kind of falls, it's falls short. And like you said, in the end, you know, Shin's this horrible person, but somehow just because he comes to the realization that he's horrible, that somehow that absolves him of everything. Um, it, it was just meh to me. And I mean, a lot of stuff went on the battle. I mean, the, you know, the, the, the dream sequence of, of the control room getting killed, that's shocking just because it was so graphic and how they did it. But other, but in the end it didn't matter because it didn't, <laughs> it had nothing really bearing on the story as a whole. Um, so that's the thing about this is there's a lot that goes on and it is pr- for the most part, it is pretty, um, you know, the, the, the use of the jazz music while they're fighting was kind of cool. But other than that, it, it's it, it. I don't think it develops anything. With it didn't make yes, anything. Yes, got some it. tissues. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Oh, and I, I actually forgot to mention what you, what were you guys' thoughts on the best character in the show, the space time administrator? Oh, what? Uh, <laughs> that character who looked like C two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, yeah, that's that right. ghost lady. No, you yeah. know what she was? She was the avatar for Jupiter. Yes. Which is like, what? What what are you doing here? Like, what do you care? Like, what? And actually, I'm a little embarrassed because some of the stuff that they revealed through that character, it actually resembles stuff that I was writing up back when I was working on this, uh, when I was doing a Code Geass forum RP. Mm -hmm. Just basically the idea that the collective consciousness hates the Geass and wants to punish people who have it. Oh wow! I was actually using that to explain why people who have Geass have such terrible luck. You know why the universe seems to shit on them, and then they <laughs> made, they made a canon. Yeah, 
Yay. They must have been listening. <laughs> Although I, I kind of worry that says more about me as a writer than about anything else. Oh. It says you're a hack anime writer. Oops. Oh. <laughs> well, it sounds like you could get a job. <laughs> sure, if you, if you want to labor away for, for you know, yeah. peanuts yeah. <laughs> and die from overwork. Yeah. God damn. But yeah, that was, I mean, that was just basically it. I mean, I, it, it, nothing really just stood out and it was just a very generic story that was just kind of just something, I guess, to maybe keep the excitement going on, on the franchise. And, um, that whole thing for the last, what, two and a half episodes where, uh, Suzaku and, and Lelouch are locked up in prison for mm-hmm. no reason other than waiting out the clock. Yeah, yeah for them much. not to get injured or get killed. <laughs> oh, and let's Speaking. not for, let's not forget they brought one more canon character in at the very end. Fucking Herga Fucking oh, right. Speaking of Lelouch, let me bring up something that blew blew my mind. This asshole Shin goes in front of a ton of people and pretty much exposes Lelouch <laughs> as zero to these people. Oh. So there's a ton of fucking witnesses Actually, who already know that Lelouch is zero or Julius uh, Kingsley, uh, what he looks yep. like is really the terrorist oh. zero. So they have, Sobro. they know what Sobro. he looks like. What the fuck? <laughs> I got to point out mm-hmm. all Shin said was Julius Kingsley is zero. He knows that Lelouch is the lost prince, but no yeah, one else does. Say, yeah. But, he didn't but, say Lelouch. He said Julius Kingsley, but it doesn't take and, much to connect the dots. Julius Kingsley's face was exposed to the world. Zero, his face never showed. And there's a, uh, there's a cat. He looks like Lelouch Lamperouge, except he wears an eye Yeah, patch. but none of those, no, nobody knows who Lelouch Lamperouge, Lamperouge is because is, he's yeah. just uh, a student in Japan. That's no true. Euro-Britannian guy would know and, who that is. Yeah, I it, mean, yeah. let's, let's, let's be realistic Jim. about this. If, um, <laughs> let's just say, hypothetically, mm-hmm. you know, during this thing, when Julius Kingsley does his big announcement on television, the Astrid kids are watching on TV. Right. If they saw that, they would be like, hey, that guy looks kind of like Lelouch, don't you think? Yeah, but also, but his face was in no shadows. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, he, I think he did do a public broadcast at some point. Yeah, he did. Uh, well, I mean, what, nope. what, besides, the, I, I'm not sure if he did anyone's outside of the uh, the Mandarin fucking broadcast that he did. But L- low rent Mandarin, let me yeah. just turn down the lights so you can't see my face. You'll never see mm-hmm. me coming. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, Lewis. calm down there, Trevor. So uh, I have some thoughts about this OVA. Go for it, sir. Okay. Uh, I probably said way back in, in the first episode review that they, for that deep cynicism in the first episode, they poured on a bit too heavily. Oh, look at us, poor, oppressed Japanese, how miserable our lives are. Everything is so sad. Nothing is good in the world. Everything is sadness and misery. And oh, poor Japanese. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, sure, there's there's some of that in the TV show, but, man, they, like, really went overboard laying it thick in the OVA. It didn't seem as organic as it was in the show. Well, you think it would be more so in the TV show because they were actually in the in the country that's getting subjugated. Absolutely. Exactly, but but no, uh, it's, it's just, you know, a thing over here. Um, the biggest defect of this show is just that Shin is is a horrible villain. Yes, he's just yeah. completely one-dimensional. Uh, his motives make no sense. Which, of course, we're watching anime. I'm not expecting Shakespeare here, but uh, so everything is. He feels this deep, abiding childhood rage because his mom cheated on his dad and had Akito, and the world is bad. Therefore, everybody should die. Yeah, and it's just like 
it makes no sense to me. And what I kept thinking of as I'm watching this, uh, drawing some parallels to other things, um, I thought, hmm, who else has a completely harebrained plan based on on dumb childhood ideas? Oh, that would be our pal uh, Choco Man, Mackie McGillis from Hamlet Orphans. Oh, yeah. And the funny thing is, Shin is voiced by the same guy who would later do Gaelio. Oh, no. (laughs) And you can hear it clearly in his voice. Mm -hmm. And, of course, Suzaku... Um, was voiced by the same guy who would later go on to do McGillis, which I found very amusing. That's pretty funny. Um, <laughs> that they had this this connection, but yeah, Shin is just an awful villain. It makes no sense why anyone's devoted to him, and then at least when Ashley sees the truth, he immediately defects and just becomes like a hot-blooded super robot guy for the good guys. <laughs> I mean, honestly, yeah, he was he was actually the most enjoyable guy towards the I don't end. Know. Yes, he was. He kind of just didn't care. <laughs> actually, MVP. bugged me in a way because essentially what happened was, you know, he betrayed his country and his friends and everything he believed in because this guy tried to kill me and that guy tried to save me. But then he, in the end, he went and killed General Smilus and hooked up with his buddies yeah. again. So it's all good. That yeah. was only because the plot hole dumped him literally in the middle and, of another battle. No, literally. <laughs> and, and he talked. He talked to his his uh, his frenemy Jean Rowe to try to get her to uh, see that uh, Shin was crazy. So, you know, he's the man that makes shit happen. I, I, I could not bother to remember Jean's name when I was writing my notes, so I just ended up dubbing her the bitch tenant. Oh damn! <laughs> That's a little so, harsh. She. What was she? She was nothing. She was nothing, but a cardboard character. She yeah. was. She was another unrequited fucking love who, who uh, died that. because you know we need to have someone jump in the way to save the main character and die. Yeah, yeah, uh, that was it. Yeah. Um. God, you're right though. Shin was just. It's pretty meh. awful, man. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Even by like standards of bad Gundam villains, he's pretty low on the total pole. Like just, he really is. In terms of just the stupidity and senselessness of what he's doing. He's, he's on the level of Iron Mask. <laughs> uh, I think Iron Mask at least makes more sense. I oh, mean, I, oh shit, yeah. I, I would put this guy like like at Zahart level or maybe even Ooh. lower. Ooh, Zahart? Oh, damn. Yeah. Man, you, shit, I can't argue. <laughs> I can't argue that. Um, yeah. Akito is, you know, the completely... A uh, wooden, emotionless character who softens up over time and has a romantic interest, but you never really feel that there's anything going on there. But then at the end, him and Layla, you know, are a thing because that's just anime cliches. Um, there definitely is, as everyone else mentioned, uh, two apparent of a tonal shift starting in the third episode, where suddenly everybody's buddy buddy now. When you know the three. Japanese punks just one episode before were trying to kill Akito and Layla. Then the third episode, they're all BFFs hanging out with the, the Roma ladies. Yeah, exactly. At you know, <laughs> a certain point in my notes, I just started calling them the straw hats because that was basically what it was. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. They just went in all, all in straw hat. Like, yeah, we're all buddies. It's all cool. We've known each other forever. It's like, no, you've known these people for like five days. <laughs> we initially tried to kill them. Um, I feel like they buried the lead by creating a pointless subplot that would have been more interesting than the actual plot, which was uh, 
this coup by General Smilus, mm-hmm. who it makes no sense. He uses Layla to rally the people and then immediately announces that she's dead. It's like, um, you didn't even confirm that she was dead and, and maybe you should like send your own assassins to get the job done or, or, or do something. And then he is just completely forgotten after episode three until literally the last, like two minutes of the show when Ashley's just teleported in front of him to kill him. And thus democracy was restored. It's like, but there's so much more they could have done there because we saw that he knew Layla's family. Um, you know, he didn't raise her after she was orphaned, but he obviously had a long relationship with her and, and probably was some sort of father figure with her being in the military. So why did he, you know, associate with her for so long just to so quickly betray Stop her? her. Yeah. And what end? Like, there's just so much there that would have been interesting to follow up on, and it's just completely dropped in favor of Shin and his stupid plans. What was his connection to the ghost of Jupiter, too? That's what I want to fucking know. Because she, I, she pretty oh, much charged I him to kill Shin, and, you know, he pretty much was, like, peeing himself because of the fact that she, uh, she fucking interrupted his, uh, his, his <laughs> he stepped into his office and, and spooked him the fuck out about that. It's like, damn. It's, it, I was wondering, does he have a Gius too? But I'm, I'm, I, I, that, was apparently, that was apparently not the case. But um, she was commanding him on Who what to knows do. I just, what I never got. He that. had or did not have at this point. Mm-hmm. And 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 you're right though, because even though he's such a typical, you know, the backstabbing coup general that takes over everything, it would have been much more interesting than Shin. I mean, thank e- you. Even. Even if it was just a, a normal, you know, um, we're going to just recycle some story that we did before with the the the, coup, the, the general that leads the coup, it would have been much more interesting than the stupidness of Shin and all that. So, and I don't know. I do agree that overall, all these people in this show having Gius makes uh, its presence in the main series seem a little less special. Yeah. Yeah. It's like you practically can get it at the corner store these days. And, <laughs> you know, what a coincidence that Layla ran into C2. Oh, I know. And what was this, like, mysterious skull that gave Shin Oh, God, his power? right. It's like, it's the like Gia skull. Symbolic representation, or was it literally just a floating evil skull? You're <laughs> I don't know. I'm fucked. Oh, no. I don't understand I, what, what, where that even came from. I, I guess there's a good side of the Gears, uh, people who, who, who do Gears and an, an evil side. And that evil skull sounded like it was being voiced by Joji Nakata, and it's like, what would you be doing here? You're already in the main show. Get out of here. I know, right? He's, well, he's the voice of the mm. reporter, right? Yeah, yeah he was Deedhart. Oh, Deedhart, thank you, thank you. Yeah, so I, I just there's so many questions about the show that make no sense. They got an extra episode. But it just feels like they squandered all the time they had. And honestly, just the tonal shifts and just the general feeling of the show kind of feels so off that it almost feels like this story started off as a completely different idea. And then yeah. someone said, why don't we graft Code Geass onto it? Yeah, it kind of I think does. so. Yeah. It, yeah, I, don't, either, I think I don't you're know right. This for sure, I don't know anything about the production of the series. If that's something that happened, but you know, it's certainly something that happens a lot of stories being retrofitted to be attached to a well-known franchise to 
make them have more appeal than they would have as an original property. So yeah, that's, that's the feel I got even back in the first episode a little bit, and it certainly grew as time went on. That's a delicate situation with Interpols, where you have to thread that line where you don't disturb what's already been set, but at the same time, you've got to try to make it interesting and intriguing for people to want to watch. And it's like they chickened out halfway through on what direction they were going, and that ultimately made for kind of a, 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 a milk toast series at the end of the day. Um, you know, it's not like a good example like 0080 was or even 83 or um, 8th MS Team, you know, how those are just inter- intertwined inside of the... Those shows at least got to exist mm-hmm. with their own characters, it's, you know... It's not yeah. like they said, oh, we, we, don't, oh we, we don't have any faith in this 0080. Let's throw Amro and Char in there. Exactly. Exactly. Was, I mean, the, the only thing in 0080 is that they're making the Alex to give to Amro eventually. Mm-hmm. That's the only thing that you even that's, hear about. That's like about. an MCU type Easter egg of, hey, everything's connected. Like, yeah. the story still stands on its own. Yeah. I, I wish that they had gone just, like, say, a straight up like prequel route. Yeah. Or something, uh, or a more detached side story like HMS Team, rather than just this interquel that introduces so many plot holes and is just kind of overall disappointing. And so many things that just never—they're just shown up and then they just never address anymore. Like you said, Smilus. I mean, <laughs> you, you were you were waiting for him to come back, and it's like he's. I thought they forgot two. about him. Like, are they really just going to leave? Yeah. Thing? It's like, oh. 30 second resolution of let's teleport a guy in front of him to kill him. Like, um, did, what, what, what did I just, this is still copious. He's going to die in the teleport big, now. He's dying in the big tray. And that's the other thing. And, and this is the thing that just drives me nuts. Cause it's, it's got the whole thing of like the Gundam Thunderbolt when it comes to the mechas oh. is that I know this is in between R1 and R2. And I know that there was a big shift in the, the nightmare frames from R1 to R2. But in some ways, it almost seems like this is like these are either on par with R2 or maybe even beyond R2. I mean, sh- I'm sorry. Shin's nightmare is stupid. The horse hybrid thing. Oh, is just- I, I, I that, hated that. <laughs> it's weapon with all those gears. It's like, how is any of that stuff even connected and holding in place? No, and no. Why no, would you make something so needlessly complicated? No, like it's that? better I mean, because remember, at several points in the show, the gears spin and it could use that yeah. as a blade. So yeah, even though by all rights, every single part of it should just be flying off. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and these. Uh, these Alexanders seem at least as good as anything that, say, um, the Black Knights were using. But then in the TV series proper, everything we see from Europe is the garbage mecha. Yeah. Yeah. And why would you give your top of the line mecha to cannon fodder soldiers and then blow them up and you have all these drones and whatnot? Why? The people that you do care about, ostensibly, why do they have the garbage old mecha and the cannon fodder has the shiny new toys? That also makes no sense whatsoever. You'd think the Japanese people would be using the garbage. Yeah, you'd be giving them the stuff that was built 20 years ago. You know? Yeah. And because we're not expecting them to live through this anyway, so why even put anything in? Yeah, it it just, it, it's bizarre. They're like and this world's Tuskegee Airmen, in a sense. <laughs> They weren't given but in reverse, the, like, it, yeah. like if the Tuskegee Airmen had the best equipment in in the Army Air Corps. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It, it, but it's like you guys still suck and should die because you're black. Like what? 
<laughs> but that's the thing is like you know and and even and i mean all everything all the support vehicles they just looked like i mean there's just such a jump and you would think okay maybe a year i get it there'd have to be some transition but yeah this that is the big thing and and i, and I know in the end it's because they want to sell models and figures and stuff like that but mm-hmm. you know you, you sometimes have to think these things out a little bit more um, because well, it really how much merchandise was there even out of this series? Honestly, they they actually did release a few of the model kits of the Alexander, like the um, custom ones that the Japanese guys got in the in the later parts. And I think hmm. there was a um, robot spirits figure of the Alexander, but they didn't do shit like Shin's weird little centaur robot. Hmm. They just reused the mold over and over. Yeah, that centaur robot was just, uh, and every time it had to make the. Uh, you know the the, 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 the horse sound. sound. Yes. No. Uh. Yeah. Like like I said in the pre in the pre show discussion, the the name didn't bug me so much as the part where he outran landmines. Oh, yeah. That. Yes. <laughs> like, oh, if it's four legged, it could run really fast. Like, um, but it's still a big giant robot. Just because it's four legs wouldn't make it like, like be able to run that fast. The idea of a four legged robot being able to get around on a rough terrain, I'm fine with that. That, that's okay, that's reasonable, but all the other shit he did was just no. That that thing moving as fast as it does is as offsetting as, like, Igloo Salamis level. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. Like, this just moves unnaturally fast for what it's supposed to be. It throws me off. I don't like it. Especially yeah. when it's jumping up the mountainside. I was like, yo, damn. I mean, how do you not get sick? <laughs> This, it's just a lot, a lot more motion than I, I would expect something that size would be uh, moving with. Must have some damn fine shock absorbers in there. Must, man. Shit. Mm-hmm. I was going to say, I'm, I'm doing a little backing, uh, back checking. Just mm-hmm. a few random remarks. Apparently, the director insisted that Lelouch and Suzaku being in this series was not just meant to be, you know, fan service. But, oh, okay. Well, well what he <laughs> said was, essentially, it was supposed to represent that the story is taking place in a world that they can't change. Yeah. And they were just trying to show things like Suzaku's feelings towards Lelouch because, you know, it's his friend, but it's the guy who killed the love of his life. But we already saw that at the end of the first season. Yeah. Why do we need to see that again? The staff did actually mention that writing a mid quote is very difficult because you, how many constraints are on you? And I I I, I don't know. I I feel like that that was forced on them by sunrise and they're just coming up with uh, cover to make it sound legitimate. Yeah. Excuses. It's, it's kind of like the whole Marvel Capcom thing where Capcom can't just come out and say, Marvel is ordering us to do this because it'll wreck their business. <laughs> good point. That's also, a good there are fucking people, point. People are apparently suggesting that Layla's Gius was actually to connect people's minds like telepathy. Oh. Uh-oh. Really? That kind of. I don't know. It, which kind of makes me question if that's how it is. How did she drive that guy nuts in the first episode? <laughs> <laughs> because that totally looks like she was ordering him. Yeah, drive me nuts too. <laughs> oh man! So, anybody have any uh, additional thoughts on Akito so we can uh, close out this uh, discussion? Mm, I don't. <laughs> it's a point of curiosity for Gios fans, especially now that we're about to get another series in I don't know a couple of months or a year or so. Um, I mean, if you if you enjoy the original series, I don't think you I don't think you really have to watch this to be honest with you. Because overall, it doesn't play much of a role in the in the history of the show, um, and it may even confuse you. But if you are curious, 
it, it's a point of curiosity that you can check out, just like all the other Geass. Uh, and definitely don't there. watch this if you haven't seen Code Geass. Yeah, oh my god, you will be lost, guys. No well, I don't know. No, it'll make no sense. It I mean, would make It no already sense. makes no sense, and we've seen the whole show. Yeah, it's, it's got, yeah. It's got yeah, a you have to really lose. thin it plot. Make, and it, it may make less sense, I think, even if you've already, if you've seen, if you haven't seen Code Geass, then you'll have no context for any of this you know. stuff. It's yeah. really rooted in, in, in what took place between 1 and 2, and uh, just the, the climate of that time. So, when you see Lelouch what the what the fuck point is this character doing here if you've never seen the original series you know you're not going to have any kind of investment in that character and why is he at all. so crazy exactly it's like you don't even know why he's acting the way he is so i would say that watching the original series is definitely a requirement at least season one you may not want to watch this until you watch the entire series because it may give away a few things but especially with rollo but um other than that yeah i, I would say this is just a uh, curiosity, if anything else. And Actually, I, I I don't even think it would give away anything. Oh, you don't I think mean, so? <laughs> it, no, because I I think you'd almost need to see season two to even understand some of the things that were going in there. How long did it take for them to reveal that Rolo was an agent for the for the Emperor? Did it take very long, or or did it take? Uh, did they pretty much reveal that when they first showed his character in in R two? I can't remember. Uh, it's a couple episodes in, I think, four yeah. or five well, episodes in. I, I think. mean, obviously, there was always something hanging overhead because yeah. it's just who is this character who Lelouch is calling his little brother? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because when you're back in watching it, it's a year later, and yeah. you know, as a viewer, he's got a sister. He doesn't have a brother. Why is he calling this guy brother? So, mm-hmm. I. I think when they do just the verification that, yeah, hey, he's an agent, I think it might have been five or six episodes in. I mean, and even yeah. that, I mean, we, we won't even get into that. that yeah, was I, don't, I, don't, I don't think it takes that long. Yeah, I don't think it takes that long either, but no problem. But yeah, overall, that's that's just pretty much uh, my, my add-on to the conversation right there. All right, let's uh, close things out with some, some ratings uh, overall. For the series, so Amaro, uh, what do you give Akito the Exiled? If I'm being generous, 1.5 out of five. Oh shit! Wow. It's oh, just, that's pretty. There are so many elements that bug me. Just the plot is it. The plot is bipolar. Let's be honest here. And there are so many plot holes and things that don't make sense, and things that contradict other things, and things that contradict the main TV series, and so many characters that it's impossible to care about just whether they're assholes or whether they're basically just wet dish rags formed into the shape of a human being that have no spine <laughs> right on like, i didn't mention it before but in episode three or so when it looks like the team is you know when it looks like the pilots have been wiped out everyone on layla's team breaks down into sobbing heaps and i'm just like for God's sake, you people are professionals. Pull it together. And I know you guys liked the jazz and the fight scenes, mm-hmm. but I just didn't care for the music and the shaky cam and just the disconnect between the 3D nightmares and the 2D backgrounds started really getting to me after a while. Oh, wow. So the only things I really got out of this series, a couple of the nightmares are okay. A couple of the characters I liked, but... Most best, I could say it's a lot of good ideas that got wasted. And frankly, I think if you had integrated this into the second season somehow, like if you had maybe when Lelouch was on the run, he works with W Zero and he gets to meet these characters like Akito and Layla. Um, and if you integrated them into the overall narrative rather than just having them 
in their own little bubble where they will never touch the main show, it probably would have worked better. That wouldn't have been bad. That, that Such is the fate that. of the intercool. Oh, boy. Yeah, yeah it's true. You, you can't help that, but, you know... I'm just here to well, review. We're Gundam fans. We're used to intercools. Yeah. <laughs> Very much. And their uselessness. But yeah, just as a Code Geass fan, I, I just can't recommend it. It's just, it, just from a storytelling standpoint, it's just not very good. And it really doesn't add anything to the universe. All right. Um, Neil, what's your rating? I'm not that harsh, but I'm also not that nice. <laughs> So I'm going to have to say I'm going to give it two useless villains out of five. Damn. (laughs) Because it was just, once again, I mean, it's not the worst thing I ever watched. It makes a lot more sense when you watch it in succession as opposed to waiting like you had it done in real time for these episodes. But it doesn't add anything. Um it's all over the place, and most of the characters you've seen before, and they're just very generic versions of the stereotypical characters. And like Chris stated earlier, there was a good little subplot that could have actually made this a much more serviceable show than that they just never explored, except for, what, maybe 45, 30 seconds in the last episode, so... All right, uh, Sobro, your rating. Well, this is not quite an anime toilet, but it's definitely not a strong entry in the series. Um, I would give this two groping gilfs out of five. Uh, I think I think the Wyvern Squad should have hung out with Pikes instead of gy- Gypsies, man. It would have been a lot more interesting. <laughs> I'm going to say overall um, two and a half ludicrously skin tight female pilot suits out of five. Nice, oh. nice. There were a lot of yeah. those. <laughs> <laughs> Nicely done. That's it for uh, this discussion on uh, Code Geass Akito the Exile. It only took us five years to get here, guys. Oh, I know, right? Hey, wasn't all our fault, though. Make it. Wasn't all our fault, though. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was done two years ago, so we're, we're still... You know, we're still two years overdue. That's yeah, true. But, this, but, but better late than never. But those I mean, first three years wasn't our fault. <laughs> <laughs> if I recall correctly, when we ended the last episode, I predicted we'd be back here by the time of the heat death of the universe. Sunrise, of course, went prove me wrong. So. <laughs> well, you know, 2017 is still young, so... There you go. You know, a lot could still happen between now and the end of the year, so... Uh, We'll probably be back to discuss the topic of Code Geass again with these uh, new movies and this Lelouch of the Resurrection business that whatever that will turn out to be. In which which Lelouch will come back with a new Golden Zero costume and Suzaku's hair will turn blue. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. (laughs) And they'll have extremely limited animation when they fight. Oh, fuck. (laughs) Could be. You might be right. So. Thank you, uh, Amaro, for joining us. And uh, pleasure as always. Uh, turn it over to Solbro to close us out. Well, thank you, Chris. Before we wrap things up, uh, I just want to thank everybody for listening to episode 189 of Gundam at MHQ, where we covered Akito the Exiled, the Code Geass, Geass Interquel, or Midquel, as they say. Um, if anything, uh, I hope you guys enjoyed it and I hope it was worth the wait, guys. And I want to give a big thank you to our special guest, Amaro NT1. Thank you for coming on to the show and, uh, and trudging through all of these episodes with us, man. It was, uh, it was an honor, sir. 
<laughs> well, it was an experience. <laughs> it sure was. Make sure to check out mahq.net. It's where the magic happens. Also, uh, and also, you find a lot of great reviews there. Some, some of which that Amuro has written, and of course, a lot that Chris has written on your favorite uh, mecha anime series, and also line art from all, all sorts of uh, running, uh, currently running anime series, and and also uh, a mecha anime series as well as uh, the classic ones from years past. Uh, and uh, net of course, is the official forums of MHQ. Make sure to head on over there and register and join the conversation, and find us on Facebook and on uh, Twitter as well. And uh, other than that, um, that's it. Also, Gundam.net is the home of the podcast. You can go there and check out episodes like this one and earlier episodes as well. And thanks to subscribing, thanks for subscribing to us on uh, iTunes and and all other uh, podcast programs as well. In the meantime, we're out of here, man. Thanks again for listening to episode 189 of Gundam at MHQ. We'll see you guys later. You took on Shaw Asnable and handled him like he was a rookie. <laughs> oh. Looks like he did a little bit of damage to Gundam, though, before he got away. We had a tough time ourselves, just defending White Base. There were so many Zacks swarming everywhere. I almost thought we were going to get overwhelmed. Sorry for the delay, but we've been busy coordinating repairs. That blast was shot from the Thor cannon. One of John's deadly new surprises. We can't return to the air until that threat is neutralized. Since Gundam's leg is under repair, our engineers will replace it with Gun Tank's bottom mechanism. Gundam pilot, your mission is to track down the Thor cannon and destroy it. Lieutenant Sheedin and Lieutenant Jose will stay to guard White Base. Good luck. At MAHQ is a Shinjuku station and MAHQ.net joint. On the count of three, name your favorite dinosaur. Don't even think about it, just name. Ready? One, two, three. Velociraptor! What? Did we just become best friends? Yep! Do you want to go do karate in the garage? Yep!